You're listening to the midweek service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from our guest speaker. To learn more about us, please visit harvestbibleonline.org. Amen. So Pastor Mark is uh, on another adventure with Miss Pam. So he asked us to come up here and just kind of welcome you guys. We appreciate all you guys showing up on a Wednesday night. We got a special treat for you. Uh, Those of you that have been here for a long time know that Pastor Mark has two sons. So myself and then we got uh, my brother who is also a uh, pastor, Reverend, whatever title you want to kind of put on that. But so Reverend Aaron Butler will make him sound old tonight. I like that. I am older, but he looks older, so it's all good. No. <laughs> yeah, amen. And the problem is that he already raised his five kids, and I just got my six. So we'll see what you'll see. We'll see what happens. But anyways, uh, let me just pray this and turn it over to him. I don't want to take any more time. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this wonderful opportunity to gather together in your name. You said we're two or three are gathered together in your name. You are there in the midst of them. I thank you, Father, that we know that that my brother Aaron, <laughs> Reverend Butler here, is a divinely inspired man of God. That a vessel that you work through. So I thank you, Father, that you're bringing us a word induced season that's going to speak directly to our hearts, bring conviction, bring correction, Father, and bring inspiration for us to go from glory to glory and from faith to faith. And I thank you, Father, for this because we know that our expectation is your invitation to move in our lives. So we set ourselves tonight, right now, that we have a great expectation for you to move in and through him on our behalf. And we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to get saved after that. I'm the better looking brother. So. (laughs) Oh man, I'm super excited to be here. Uh, It's been a while since since I've got to speak on this stage. And uh, so many memories grew up here, grew up in this church. Um, Led worship here for a decade. Actually, Longer than that, uh, it's just a privilege to be back here and um, to be able to just be with you here with you all tonight. And I believe that God has something incredible he wants to share with us. So if we just hook up, hook our hearts up and hook our faith up, God will speak to you right now. So I want to pray specifically because I like to open the message with prayer as well for myself. So we're going to do back-to-back double prayer. Come on, someone say double prayer. Let's go. Right? It's like a double portion. We're going to double pray. Or double bless. It's time for the double. Somebody say double. double. Here we go. Let's pray. God, I come before you today and I thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our hearts and what you're doing in our lives. God, we ask you today to speak to us. Help us to see what you want us to see. Help us to understand what you want us to understand. Help us to know what you want us to know. Mark our heart and change our life, God. But may it never stop there. May everything that you've given to us move through us to the people in this world that you died for in love. God, help us to make the biggest difference we possibly can with our life. We thank you for this tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And those who agree, said, amen. Amen. Tonight, I'm going to deliver a message to you. It's called this. Don't miss the pit stop. Come on, someone say, "Don't don't miss the pit stop. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 4. If you got your Bible on your iPhone, you can 
Rock that out. If you don't, just use your eyelids and it's going to be on the screen, okay? <laughs> Sorry, that was a corny joke. It's all cool if you laugh. It's courtesy laughs are good. Right? So, like, this is, trust me, courtesy laughs are always good. <laughs> and here's the deal. If you, don't, if you don't laugh, I'll probably say something like, that's funny, I don't care what y'all say. So, because that's just who I am. This is what I do. So, John chapter 4, we find a story. And I want to share with you the story tonight. It's the woman at the well. But I want, it's, I want to paint it to you in a different picture. I want to paint it to you, and I want to allow God to paint your heart of, of, of an area, of an arena, I think, which he wants you and I to live. Because Jesus, right here in John chapter 4, was ministering in Judea, and his next stop was Galilee. His next stop was Galilee, right? But, but to get to Galilee, he had to go through Samaria. Okay? He had to go through Samaria. Now, here's the deal. You might not understand this if you don't understand the context. That the Samaritans and the Jews, they didn't like each other. They, they didn't like each other. Uh, they had different customs, different ways of doing things. And back under the law, if you had a certain way of doing things, you kind of got rejected by the other ones, right? So, so there was the Pharisees, and there was the Sadducees, right? And there was the, all the other UCs, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and the reason, right? So, so, and, and they're like, well, we like this, and we like that. And so they, they kind of quarreled against themselves. But in this particular region, the Samaritans and the Jews, they just... There was this conflict because they had an argument, a disagreement on where they believed that they should worship. And that was a big deal to the Jews. So we're going to pick up this story uh, in, in verse three. It says, so he, Jesus, left Judea and returned to Galilee. And he had to go through Samaria on the way. Someone say, go through. Someone say, on the way. This is really important. We'll come to this. Verse 5, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus was tired from a long walk and he sat beside the well about noontime. Now here's the deal. We don't like this picture of Jesus being tired. But he was. Why? Because he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. It says in all of our ways, he suffered in the same. He knew our afflictions. He is our high priest. Can I get a good amen, church? Right? So, so, he under, so he knows what it's like to be fatigued. He knows what it's like to carry a burden. He knows what it's like to work hard. He understands the things that you and I are going through. Okay? So he, so he had to get to where he was going, to Galilee. But here's the deal. He had to stop in this Samaritan village right here by this well, okay? And so what he needed was Jesus needed a pit stop. He needed a pit stop. He went to the well for what? To get some water because Jesus was tired. Now, a pit stop is a moment. How many of you guys like NASCAR? Anybody like racing up in here? All right, so if you know anything about racing, you know that you know, there's a necessary thing called a pit stop where you got to go in and make adjustments because adjustments, you, you just can't just run all the laps all the way around the whole time. You got to get some fuel. 
You got to get some adjustments. There's some, they got to check the brakes. There's, excuse me, some things that you, that, that you need to do in order to have peak performance so that you can win the race. And I wrote it down like this, that the pit stops are where the long-term vision is refined. Come on, t- tell the person next to you, don't miss the pit stop. Now tell the other person that you decided to ignore, don't miss the pit stop. <laughs> so we can't afford to miss this because even, even if, if, if a pit stop, even if it stops our momentum for the moment, without it, you won't be able to operate at peak performance. And eventually, you and I will drop out. We'll drop out. It's so interesting that you know, a lot of us, won't, we won't violate the laws of God when it comes to don't steal, don't kill, and don't commit adultery. But at the same time, how about keeping the Sabbath holy? Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> I violated this all the time. And, 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 and Jesus came to fulfill the law. Amen, church? So he's, his law is still a covenant, is still established. And I believe that if God rested on the seventh day, that we need to learn how to rest. That's something that even currently during this season that I'm in right now in ministry, I'm learning how to do with my life. Because trust me, like when, when, when you violate the Sabbath, it catches up on you. You got to learn how to have a right and correct pit stop. But even during these times, these moments where you have a pit stop, God can do something miraculous through you. What I want to share with you is, is the story of that Jesus was going from one place, Judea. He was going to Galilee. But there was a miracle that took place during the transition. And in the moments of your and I and our lives, we're, sometimes we get so focused on the destination and the promise that God has called us to that we're missing the miracle that's in the present. That there's a miracle in the present that there's promise in the process. That, that, there, that the God doesn't just want to lead you to get to a place called there that you can have heaven while you go all the way through it. Are you here, church? And so, you know, uh, there's a movie called Cars. How many know this movie, Cars? Pixar, right? Come on, if you're, if, if you're a parent, you know this movie. My kids used to love Lightning McQueen, man. And it opens with this scene of, it opens with this scene of speed. I am speed. And you got this car who is just, you know, this guy named Lightning McQueen. If you guys know the story, he's kind of a conceited, arrogant uh, guy. And he doesn't, he's not a team player, thinks he's got loads of talent. But at the same time, he thinks he can do it all himself and avoid take making adjustments and avoid making pit stops and just to try to do it all himself. And so he's cocky, he's confident, and he has no respect for his team. But the opening scene, he needs tires, right? He needs tires. And he said, I ain't going to have tires. I don't have this. And really the reason why he did this because he didn't have a, a crew, right? He eventually ends up blowing both tires on the final lap and it cost him the win. It cost him the win. All because he didn't make necessary judgments all because he didn't look at the pit stop as something to qualify him towards the goal that he was trying to reach so jesus is making a pit stop 
And I want you to see this story because if you don't, if you miss the nuance of the story, you'll see the story and the miracle for what it is, but you don't understand that it's sandwiched between where he was and where he was sent. I want you to see that. So don't miss, don't miss the piss off. Verse seven says this, as soon as Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. We talked about this. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? So what she's saying here, she's like, what are you doing? We don't talk. We don't hang out. You don't like us. And we don't like you. It's pretty obvious. And Jesus knows this drama. He gets, don't you, I don't think Jesus knows all things, right? He understands this drama. He gets this drama. And he's like, you know what? I'm about to step right into this. And I'm so glad that Jesus was able to brush off the stereotype and speak peace right in the middle of a storm. Even when opposition and even when offense is trying to come to him, he can still speak love all the way through. This is a good example for us. And I'm so, I'm so grateful that Jesus made my business his business. Amen, somebody. He made my business his business. And even when the Samaritan woman was like, we don't talk, and, 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 and was all kind of all mean, Jesus looked right through and said, no, no, no. No, no, no. I'm going to make your business my business. Verse 10, he said this, and I love this. She said, are, are, why are you asking me for the drink? Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus said, listen. Listen, girl, if you only knew, if you only knew who I was, if you only knew, come on, turn and tell somebody next to you, say, if you only knew, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. What's he saying? She's like, girl, you don't know me. Stop trying to label me with all these other guys. Stop trying to label me as some other Jew that doesn't like you, that's going to disrespect you, that doesn't care for you. If you only knew who I was and the gift that I'm trying to bring you, you would ask me for what? You would ask me and I would give you living water. I would give you living water. Verse 13 says, anyone who drinks this well water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring. Someone say this within them, giving them eternal life. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life. Jesus, he is talking about himself. And he's talking about himself in this spiritual sense, right? And this Samaritan woman, she's not getting it. He's trying to reveal the truth to her and she's not understanding what he's trying to do. It's like, listen, like number one, you don't know me because I'm talking to you and you're like, why are you talking to me? And he's like, no, if if you knew what I had, you would ask me for this. So he's trying to bridge this gap with her. 
and she's not getting it. Verse 15, he says, she says, please, sir, please give me this water. I want some of that. I'll never be thirsty again. And guess what? I won't have to come out here and get this water. I won't have to come out here and get it because, well, you know, I'll never be thirsty again. And scholars tell us that the reason why this woman came to the well at the hottest part of the day is because she lived with open shame. And she tried to come to the well at a place where nobody else and nobody else would be at that time because she, she didn't want to feel the remorse for herself, for the sins that she was, was going through and the things that she's committed because she didn't have the greatest reputation, reputation in society. And so she's like, I want this, I want this living water. I won't have to come here. I want to have everybody look at me. Give me some of this water. But she's still not understanding. She, she wants something to quench her natural thirst. And Jesus is, is he's, he's telling her, hey, it's not about this natural thirst. I'm here to bring something different. I'm going to take it up to a holy another level right now. This is what he said. She wants this water. And, I, you know, I wrote a couple points down here like, for this. I wonder how many people are still looking for something external to quench their spiritual thirst. Because Jesus has to get her to see that this isn't something physical, that it is something spiritual. It is something eternal. He has to get her to see it. But in order for her to see it, he's about to speak into her life. He's about to do something that blows her mind. He says this. It's really weird if you don't know this story. Because the next thing Jesus said is, go get your husband. She said, hey, I want some of this water. And Jesus is like, go get your husband. And I don't know if he's like, go get him. He can get it for you. I don't know, right? It seems kind of weird if you're the girl and you're asking for living water and he's saying that. It's like, you just changed the subject on me. Like, what's going on? Y'all ever read the Bible and you're like, huh? You know what I'm talking about? Kind of like the guys who found, like, we found this woman in adultery. Bro, why were you in the room? Like, you ever read the Bible and you're like, how do you even know? Like, well, so okay. <laughs> I find comedy in the Bible sometimes just because I'm like, wait, wait, huh? Go get your husband, Jesus told her. She's like, I don't got no husband. That was funnier to me. Um, she, said, she said, I ain't got no husband. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you've had five. And the one you're married to right now, the guy you're, you're shacking up with, uh, he ain't your husband either. You spoke the truth. And she said, okay. Now, now, sir, you must be a, now she identifies the spiritual condition of the one who is talking to her. She, she is seeing this. The woman identifies Jesus as a spiritual leader. This is so important in the story. And the reason why is this, because how you see Jesus determines what he can do for you. 
Because if you only see him as something that's going to supply something externally, then that's the only thing that you're going to get. But if you see him as the bread of life, if you see him as the living water, if you see him, how you see him determines what he can do in you and through you. That context creates that reality. The foundation of a relationship defines the perspective. If the foundation is built on trust, is built on my faith in God, if I, it, the names who I call him, if he's my redeemer, if he is my savior, if he is my Lord, if he is my provider, if he is my counselor, if he's my intercessor, whatever I call on the name of the Lord, I shall be saved. So if I understand who he is, if I know who he is and who he's called me to be, if I understand the names of God and that becomes my identity, then I can call on that name. I can trust in that name. I can believe in that name. Right? Because how you see it determines what he can do for you. And sometimes we want God to do something in our lives and heart, but we're still trying to get him to do something rather than understand that this actually is who he is for us. The Bible says this, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall... Look at me real quick. It's only the truth that you know that sets you free. Just because it's true does not mean it sets you free. It has the capacity to set you free, but it's only in the strength and in the, in the faith towards that relationship that releases the power and the presence of God in your life. Think about it. This, the Bible says even, even the demons believe and you shall know the, it's a truth that you know, that you experience. This is why when it talks about, I'm totally tangenting here, but I believe that God is revealing some things. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22, it says, have faith in God. Therefore, you can say to the mountain, be moved. But the foundation, being, being able to speak to the mountain is completely predicated on the fact that you have faith in the person of God. There's a relationship with the person. So we can't use our Christianity as a formula to try to get something that we want. It's about someone who we get to know that I trust. Let me say it this way. Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him. And he will show you which path to take. Did you know that 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 scripture is in order? You trust the Lord with all your heart. Which the only way, and the next thing is don't lean on your own understanding, but the only way that you cannot lean on your own understanding is if you trust the Lord with all your heart. Right? Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And then what? In all your ways, acknowledge him. But the only way you can acknowledge all your ways is if you don't lean on your way. Is if you don't lean on your own understanding. And the last part is, and he will show you which path to take. So we want the path. We all want the path. I want to walk the path. Well, the only way you can walk the path You seeing this? The only way you can walk the path is if you don't try like you don't try your own way. Right? And the only way that you don't lean to your own understanding 
is you trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I missed that third one. In all your ways, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll show you which path to take. In order to get to the path, we got to trust our ways. The only way that we trust our ways is if we don't try to do it our own. And the only way that we don't try to do it our own way is if we trust in Jesus. Can I get an amen? It all is about trust. And trust is based on identity, on calling the Lord who he is. She is identifying, okay, okay, I see you're, you're a prophet, right? So as soon as she says, Jesus, you're a prophet, you would think that she would say something different and maybe like, okay, you know, because sometimes prophets in those days, they speak like doom and despair. And so she kind of like, it, the conversation gets kind of weird again, and uh, She's like, okay, you're a prophet. You must be a prophet. Verse 20, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it's here this month where our ancestors worship? So she goes right into the source of division. Jesus already is like, hey, listen, you don't know me. And then what does she do? She goes right back into it. Like, this is the hot issue of the day. Why? Because this defines their faith in God. The Samaritan says it's here. The Jew says it's here. And Jesus flips this culture on its head. Watch what he says. Watch what Jesus says. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman. The time is coming when it ain't gonna matter. Well, it don't matter. The time is coming when it will no longer matter where you worship your father on this mountain. Or over here, or over here, over here, or over here, over here. It doesn't even matter. Verse 23, but the time is coming, and let me check yourself. It's here right now, is what he said. It's right now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For what? For the Father is looking for those who worship him that way. For God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in true. Jesus is saying it's not about the sacrifices. It's not about the customs. It's about the heart of the individual. That God would rather have obedience than sacrifices. He was trying to tell her, listen, you you can't ever gain through sacrifice what you lose through disobedience. He's saying, it's not about that you're so fixated on this mountain and that mountain. He said, no. It's about me. This time is here, is what he said. Right? And then, in verse 25, he just blows her mind. The woman said this, well, I know that the Messiah is coming. Now, this is a universal thing, and it's something that they all can agree on. Because the Jews and Samaritans were like, well, you know, we're going to worship here, we're going to worship here, but we all agree that there's a Messiah coming. That's the Christ. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. And Jesus says, hey, girl, check yourself. That's me. He said, I am 
the Messiah. And you're looking at him. This is me. This is me. And once Jesus revealed that he was the Messiah, he was what she was waiting for all this time. She did something massively significant. She did something super, super significant. Because see, up in the story, she's trying to, ah, we don't talk. No, there's this worship, there's this stuff between us. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to love you through every objective. I'm going to love you through every offense. And the one that you're waiting for, the one that you're looking for, it's me. Verse 28 says this, the woman left her water jar beside the well. This is huge. This is huge. This is significant. She left her water jar beside the well. And what did she do? She ran back to the village. Telling who? All of a sudden, it was as if her shame no longer mattered. The girl who was so concerned about getting water at the well when nobody was around had an encounter with the living God in the flesh, the Messiah, the Christ. And now when she had an encounter with God, now all of that shame began to disappear. Now all of those labels begin to disappear. And she left what she was trying to get, the external source, and she took the living water and went back to the village telling everybody. Come on, she left her bucket at the well. That bucket was... Used to draw water. Water for families, for livestock, water for crops. Come on, this bucket represented refreshment for a day. But Jesus is like, I'm not trying to give you refreshment for the day. I'm trying to give you refreshment for the rest of your life. I'm trying to give you refreshment that's going to be passed down in legacy to your family and your family's family and family. I'm here to give you the living water. It's a different kind of refreshment and the miracle took place while jesus was going from here to there so while you and i are going through our life to receive the promises everything that god has for us don't miss the pit stop there is miracle in every moment we got to be present to ask God for opportunity to see what he wants us to do in the present while endeavoring to believe for the promise of the future. Because a miracle will take you from one place to the next. Are you listening tonight? Here's a couple of ideas we could take from the actions of this woman. First thing is this. Number one is we got to focus on what matters most. We got to focus on what matters most. What matters most? Not that we get water out of the bucket. What matters most is the eternal. It's the eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is only temporary, but what is unseen is what? It's eternal. Come on, church, preach back to me. Come on, she, so she went to the well 
for water to quench her natural thirst, but she left with spiritual water to give away to other people. And then in verse 29, as we continue this story, it says this. She said this to her village. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see a man who told me everything I did. First, uh, the second thing is this that we can do. A couple ideas is this. Is that we got to bring people to what matters most. We got to bring people to what matters most. Are you ready for this? Look at me real quick. Church starts becoming fun when you stop coming just for you. When you come for those who aren't here yet. That's when your faith comes alive. Proverbs 11.25 says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And God is saying this, if you get into the habit of refreshing other people, I will guarantee your personal refreshment. We got to get into the habit of inviting people to a place where they can find hope and healing. We got to get into the habit where we seize the opportunities that while we're endeavoring to reach the promise, that they're, that endeavoring to reach everything that God has for us, and we're going from here to there, that we see the miracles and the moments that happen every single day where you can be a hope dealer. Because you can give somebody hope for tomorrow and healing from their yesterday. Because you carry the anointing of God on the inside of you. Because there's greatness on the inside of you. Because you are at 10 at something. You carry the greatness and the power of God right now. So Aaron, how do you know? I know who made you. He don't make junk. When you are called on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. You and I are called to make a difference. You see this? Jesus is sharing this story to say, hey, listen, I, bridge, I, I am bridging the gap. And even though I got a place where I'm going, there are people who even his disciples rejected. There are people who matter to me. Because I guarantee you his disciples, they ain't talking to the Samaritans. But Jesus was willing to. He's willing to step into that. We got to bring people to what matters most. John 4, uh, verse 39 to 42. I'm going to skip a couple places, but it says this. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, this is important, we no longer believe because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Now we know. So a woman who was, oh, there's so many nuances to this story because there's this woman who was rejected, who was outcast, this woman who had all kinds of sin and all kinds of trouble. And God used that person to save a whole village and start the process of Christianity through an entire nation. 
Don't say God can't use you. Mm. I believe this is a principle that I've lived with my life, and I'm just going to give it to you, that what I have plus God is enough. What I have plus God is enough. To do what? To accomplish everything that he has called you to. And if he has given you a door of opportunity, he has given you the grace and the capacity to step into that door and give hope to a hopeless situation. Praise Jesus. Don't miss the pit stop. Amen, everybody. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, I just thank you uh, as we enter your word tonight. Help us, Father God. Help us to see it. Help us to embody it. Help us to become it. Help us, Father God, that we would be able to see and seize the moments and the opportunities that you've placed in front of us. That we wouldn't be so preoccupied with the promise that you have for our lives that we miss hurting people that are around us. God, help us be the change. Help us be the church. Help us be the church. Help us to create a culture of evangelism in our own hearts and in our own lives to love the least of these, knowing that you can do something miraculous. I just thank you, God. I thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your truth. And I just pray over, I just pray over this church and I pray over every person in this room. God, that you help them to seize every opportunity that you're placing in front of them and help them to understand that what they have, what they have right now is enough. Is enough for every opportunity that you're placing in front of them. And I ask you, God, to help them, have, help them be spiritually aware Help them be spiritually aware for every opportunity that comes that comes in front of them, whether that's their own families with their own kids or with their own parents or whatever. God help, but with, at work with their neighbors, help them, God, to be able to be hope dealers and to sow seeds of hope and seeds of love in every single situation that they walk through. And because of that, because of their obedience, that life change happens in people. Father, that your anointing would move through their hearts and lives and that they would be the change and make the biggest difference, God, that we can be followers of Christ, not because we believe in you, but because we do your exploits, because we teach and we preach and we heal, because we we are your hands and your feet. Help us, God, to understand that right now there is such an opportunity because people have lost, they have a collective loss of hope that our world has shifted and changed. And we see the culture around us. But God, help us not to be jaded. Help us not to be jaded at, at, at the culture that's around us. Help us not to be shocked at sin. But help us to love people right where they're at that no matter what offense comes to us, that we could respond with grace and respond with love and give hope and healing. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Those who agree, sir.
Amen. Real quick, if you humor me, everybody just bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to know if there's anybody that came tonight that was kind of maybe confused, may not know that you came here tonight hoping that we might have an answer to something. You're just, you're, you're in despair and you're saying, hey, I came tonight to, to, to meet this Jesus that, that, the, that the pastor was talking about, that the preacher was preaching about, that he was teaching me about. And I need somebody. I don't know how. I don't know how to give my life to Christ. So I need somebody to show me to, to lead me in a prayer. Is there anybody that came tonight that that's you? That's who it is. All I need you to do is raise your hand real high. We'll say a prayer collectively, and uh, make sure that you're good to go. All right. I'm not going to take a long time since nobody raised their hand. No regrets. But I'm going to move on and say and believe that every single one of you has made a commitment to serve and love God with your whole heart. All right, so we're going to take up this evening's tithes and offerings, so you kind of look up at me. Um, they got the information up there if you do it that way, the envelopes and the seat backs. Um, so I'll just share, what I want to do is share with you a scripture about, you know, tithes and offerings, and then while they're taking the offering, I'll give you a little uh, testimony, uh, basically what he was preaching on, great confirmation in my life here. Um, but in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, all right, you're like, oh, you're going to bring an Old Testament scripture? I am, because it's the only place in the entire Bible where he says, prove it. Where he says, prove me, put me to a test. Whatever translation you read, he says in some way, he says, put me to a test, prove it, see if I won't do it. It's the only time in the entire Bible where God says you can do this. So if you're ever saying, God, if you do this, I'll do that. Well, that's wrong. Don't pray that way no more. Get some more scripture and actually have faith and believe God. Okay, I'm not going to preach again, but, you know, but I'm just saying here, Malachi chapter three, verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great. You won't, you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. So let me just decree and, and declare some things. We'll pray over your, over your offering. Dear Heavenly Father, as we're obedient to your word and we bring our tithes and our offerings into the storehouse, Father, we can't help but have a blessed assurance that you are rebuking the devourer on our sake, Father, as we read through that chapter, that you're, you'll cause our crops, which means our, our economy, Father, not to fumble, not to crumble. Father, everything that we put our hand to shall prosper. Why? Because our, our heart is in the correct place, Father. We're putting you before mammon, and we know that you are the source of all of our increase, and that's really what the symbolism is of tithing, is saying you can't serve two masters. So as we put our, our money where our heart is, Father, we know that we'll never suffer lack. We'll never, uh, it says in your word, Father, you've never seen the righteous forsaken or your seed begging for bread. And I thank you, Father, for that, that we're just stepping out in faith, acting on those promises, and we can't help to have more than enough and abundance to give to every good work, Father, that then you turn around and turn into souls born in the kingdom of God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as you guys are taking the offerings so nobody jumps up and runs out. But I, I just wanted to share a testimony with you. I felt impressed because everything that he was talking about here, as soon as he said the pit stop, the Lord, the Lord punched me. And he, said, and he said, listen, check it out. Because he basically explained what happened to me on, on uh, what was it? it was Tuesday. What, what happened? No, Monday. And so uh, uh, basically... I changed, I changed jobs. So when you change jobs, you have to, you know, go get drug tested, right? You have to do P test. Um, so I went and uh, they, they were nice to me. He said, just go home. I'll find you a place on the way home. 
you know, I had to go do a training over in the Bay Area and then so that I could work at a specific facility type of thing. Anyways, I don't want to make a long story longer. But anyways, I had to go to the Bay Area. I was, he said, go home. I'll find you a place on your way home. So he basically, my boss, my new boss, found me a pit stop. Okay? Well, because I was so, I, going to the Bay Area and commuting, I didn't eat, I didn't drink anything. So when, the, when I went to go get the pee test, she said, do you want a glass of water? I said, yeah, that actually would be great. I'd love to have a glass of water because I've just been driving this whole time and doing tests and you know, watching videos, taking tests the whole nine yards. So I forgot to eat and, and actually drink anything. Um, and so, but what they took that as was, I'm going to give you a glass of water and wait for you. I thought they were going to give me a glass of water and then like, come back in 10 minutes and ask me to go. So after I'm starting to get very angry because I'm sitting in this, in this room for about an hour, uh, you know, and the reason I found this out is because I went back and I said, are you waiting on me? And she said, yes. I said, well, I've been ready. I got to go to like, I have to pee like bad. I'm going to pee my pants. Like, let's do this now because I've been sitting. But what happened was, is I was getting angry and I was getting mad. Like Jesus was leaving me. You know what I mean? And uh, this dude walks into the, into the, into the room and he, yeah, at first, he, I didn't really, I was on my phone, so I didn't really recognize. And he sat down, and he's like huffing and puffing. He's like, <sighs> and, and uh, I, I should have paid attention because I was kind of insensitive. I said, man, you just run a, a marathon or what? And he's just kind of like, oh, you know, like, you know. And, and so he goes out, and when he gets up and goes, goes, and I guess they were doing some x-rays or something. And I saw, I was like, oh, gosh, he, he blew his back out. Like, this, this dude's in tremendous pain. Like, I'm, I'm a jerk. You know what I mean? Like, wow, like this thing really doesn't do you any good, does it? You know what I mean? Like I wasn't aware of my situation. Well, he goes out and then when he comes back in, he sits next to me and the Lord says, you have to pray for him. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to. He's like, yeah, but that's what you're going to do. You have a choice. You either get to live always on mission or not. You know what I mean? And it was like the pit stop thing. And so I was like, okay. So I asked him, I said, you know, you speak English. And he says a little bit. And I said, okay, I said, can I pray for you? And I did the hands, and I said, can I pray? And he's, a, he's, all, he's all, yeah, yeah. And so he kind of stuck his hand out. I, I bypassed that, and I put my hand on his shoulder. You know, I did have my little mask on, for those of you that wonder if I'm completely insensitive. No. But I, so, you know, whatever. I don't wear them unless you, you ask me nicely. Um, but anyways, so I laid my hands on him, and I prayed, right? And so I'm praying for him. And when I said, you know, he understands a little bit of English. So when I said, amen, and I, and I, you know, he said, thank you. But then I could, I don't know what was happening, but he felt, I could see that God was working on him. And uh, so I was sitting there and I started doing my phone again. God said, you have to pray for him again. I'm like, pray for him again. He didn't even understand the first time that I prayed for him. So God reminded me, he's like, you have that Google translator on your phone. Because when we do text messages and different things with different individuals from different countries, I have to use that Google Translator to communicate. You know what I mean? Translate what they're trying to say to me and translate. And so I, what I did was I typed out my prayer and I read it to, and I, I gave him a phone. And I said, here, this is what, you know, it says, this is what I prayed for you. And then I wrote it out. And then when he read it, that's when, and then when he read it, it was like almost like a second touch. Because after that, he kept, he told me, thank you, I think probably 10 times. And it was just because everything that he just said, it was life application because I stopped expecting the church, Pastor Mark, to do all the work. And I said, I'm going to live on mission. I'm going to take advantage of every, 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 every frustration is, is, is an opportunity for me to, do, to basically be obedient to God. And so if you, if you missed half of what he said, they recorded it. So go ahead and get on Facebook and, and, and watch it again. Because it's real important to understand, like what he said, 
Jesus, I love that about Jesus, is he never dealt with any question directly. He always said, no, I'm going to talk to you about your heart. I'm like, that's not what I want to talk about, but that's what we're going to talk about. (laughs) You know what I mean? So be blessed. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Harvest Bible Church in Stockton, California. If you live in the area, we would love to have you join us at one of our services on Sundays and Wednesdays. You can check us out at harvestbibleonline.org for location and times. We hope to see you soon.